about the red letters? Fantastic. Good to be in church this morning, isn't it? Feeling good? Yeah, I, I just, I'm loving what, what God is doing right now in, in the middle of us. Uh, that we get to be a part of coming here on a Sunday, worshipping, then going and connecting throughout the rest of the week. It is so amazing. Uh, this, this morning, as uh, Pete said, we're starting a new series called Red Letter Revival. Uh, talking about the, the words that Jesus spoke. Now, in a lot of Bibles, um, the, the letters that Jesus spoke are actually written in red, hence the Red Letter Revival. And we're believing that when we live according to the Word of God, when we speak the Word of God, when we, when we breathe and when everything we do is around the Word of God, that it makes a difference. It changes things in our circumstance, in our situation. And we're believing that revival begins within ourselves. It starts within me when I take the Word of God and I apply it to my life and I make it my daily bread. I had a great message last week from Pete about, uh, you know, the, the free lunch. Is there a free lunch? Can anyone get a free lunch? But we've got to go to God's Word. We've got to have God's Word on a daily basis so that we can have all that we need to be the, the, the center of hope that would reach and serve and influence our community. So let's make sure we get the Word of God in us. So this morning, we're looking at Jesus' first recorded miracle. So if uh, you've got a Bible with you, please open up to John chapter 2. Uh, it's on the screen behind me. You can, it's not that bit of text. We'll make it a little bit bigger. Okay, I promise. <laughs> John chapter 2. It says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water so they fill to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Would you pray with me this morning as we look at this passage together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your richest blessing. Thank you for life that we have through your son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, lead and guide us this morning as we look at this, this passage of Scripture. May we begin to understand it and may we begin to apply it to our lives so that, Lord, there would be a revival that would begin in our hearts. Lord, that one conversation would lead to another conversation, from one conversation to another miracle, Lord, that our lives would be such that people would want to be close to us because they sense the presence of God in us and around us. So God, we thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you believe me if I, if I said that you can be a part of the miraculous? I, I, I know we, we, we know it's possible and we, we can, we've seen the videos and we've, we've heard the stories, and, but do you really honestly believe that God wants you to be a part of the miraculous on a day-to-day -day basis? Not just at a revival meeting, not, not at a healing meeting, but, but every single day. How many actually believe that, honestly? And half of us don't. Isn't that interesting? 
half of us don't believe that, that God wants us to be a part of the miraculous happening day after day. And I'm not talking necessarily legs growing back, although that's going to be pretty cool when that happens one day. I'm talking about bringing a word that might, might save a marriage, bringing a word that might stop somebody from going to a place where they shouldn't, opening our wallets because we've got something to give to somebody, inviting someone for a meal and being a miracle in someone's life. God wants us to bring the miraculous everywhere we go. I love what God is doing every week here Elam Whangarei. In the last month, we've had people walk off the street, call the office and say, I've got to get my life right with God. I need to get baptized. Do you do that? Yes, we do. We do that. <laughs> Heard a story just this last week of somebody who was struggling with their child. The child wasn't sleeping, was crying, and, and, and went to a psychic to find out what was going on. The psychic said, I, I can't help with this. I talked to a friend, a friend who comes to Elam, and says, well, why don't we come and pray through your house? So they did. The team went, prayed through this house, began to pray. Child starts, stops crying, starts smiling at Paul Shepherd. I mean, who wouldn't? He's a good-looking man. The long, long story short, she gives her life to Christ. Wonderfully free. Come on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the reality of what's happening day in, day out. We are seeing people saved every single week through ministry. Throughout the week, not just on a Sunday, but throughout the week, we're seeing people come to Christ. That's just here in 33 Potterwini Ave. But what about in your businesses? What about in your homes? What about in your sports clubs? God is moving powerfully. And he wants us to be a part of the miraculous. Today, I want to talk about drawing out the supernatural because God is asking us to bring the natural that we have, just what we've got. I can't bring any more than Mike DeVetta. This is the best I've got, but this is what I'm going to bring to God. And me bringing my natural, God then draws out the supernatural. And that's what God wants to do in every single one of us. So we're looking at the very first miracle. And, and in the Bible, the law of first mention speaks of when, when something happens for the first time, we pay attention to it. So this is Jesus' first recorded miracle, turning water into wine. Why, why did Jesus choose water into wine? I mean, of all the miracles, he could have raised the dead, right? I mean, he could have started with, a, with, a, with an absolute banger. I mean, seriously, let's just raise someone to life. Whoa, here's Jesus. But no, he goes to a party and he turns water into wine. Why would Jesus have chosen that? Because the very last part of the book, in Revelation, we find another big wedding taking place. Revelation 19, verse 9, it says, Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Why did Jesus choose this as the first miracle? With so many challenges in our society around alcohol and addiction to alcohol. Jesus turning up to a party, turning water into wine, probably not such a great thing, right? But the reality, when they were drinking wine, they weren't drinking to get drunk. In the Jewish culture, they drank as a part of just their normal daily life. Drunkenness was frowned upon in the Jewish culture. It wasn't something they were encouraging. They would drink wine, probably better than the water. And so they would, they would, they would drink 
in order to drink, drink the wine, but it was spoken of as joy. joy represent, wine represented joy in the Bible. Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon's, Psalms spoke of something that would bring joy and gladness, this wine. See, Jesus wasn't turning water into wine so that people could get drunk. He was turning the water into wine to bring joy, to bring something that the people needed. In the Old Testament, God used Moses to bring some signs and wonders. What was the first sign that Moses brought in public? He took the water in the Nile and God turned it into blood. So the first miracle or sign that, 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 that happened with the people of Israel coming out of Egypt was, was one of death and destruction. So Jesus comes and says, I'm going to show you a new way. I'm going to show you a way where, where the law doesn't kill anymore, but the law brings life. I'm going to turn water into wine this time. I'm going to bring joy. I'm going to bring something that will sustain the people. This morning, I want us to focus on three things, or two things, actually, because the first two, we can do something about. The third one, only Jesus can. And I believe if we continue to do this on a regular basis, God is going to take our natural. He's going to draw something out of us, and we're going to be a part of the supernatural. Let's read verse 1 again. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, the first thing I read here is that Jesus was at a party. Why was he at the party? Because he was invited. He was invited. This is it. Step number one, invite Jesus. Invite Jesus. This is not going to be a complicated message, I promise you. Invite Jesus into your home. Does he have a seat at the table? Have you made space for Jesus in your business? Is he front and center in your mission statement? In your school, have you invited Jesus to be a part of your conversations? Does he have your full access or are there some no access places? It's like you, you, you can go there, Jesus, but you can't have this space. Does Jesus have full access to everything we have? If he does... We start to position ourselves for the miraculous that might just take place. Invite Jesus. You know, a couple of times, Jesus, he kind of barged in on people. Zacchaeus, he was kind of getting up on a tree. He was too short. I know what that's like. Can't quite see over the crowd. That's why they give me a really high stage so you can all see me. If I stood down there, it would be all over. And so he's climbing up this tree, and he's looking down, and Jesus spots him and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to lunch at your place. So a couple of times, Jesus kind of went into the conversation, but most of the time, Jesus went where he was invited. Or Jesus was, was going somewhere and others would follow him. He didn't necessarily always run to people. He, he, kind of, he, just, he kind of waited for the invitation. That's the way God tends to work with us. He says, do I have permission to act here? Will you give me permission to do something miraculous here? Have we invited him? Have we invited him into every part of our life? So then Jesus' mother Mary hears of the dilemma. There's no wine. A host who will no longer be able to show hospitality because they're now out of wine. Now, a lot of these weddings would go for seven days. That's a long, long wedding. How many people are thankful for three-hour receptions? <laughs> well, maybe a seven-day one wouldn't be so bad, you know? It's a lot of food, a lot of... A lot of uh, celebration. 
And this is what Jesus says when, when Mary says that they're out of wine. This is what she says. This is what he says. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. I'd love to try that one with my mum. I'd love to see JJ try that with Amy. JJ, it's time to tidy your room, woman. That's not going down so well. But the phrase woman was not, a, it was not derogatory. It was actually a sign of respect. It was like we'd say, ma'am, you know, there, there was a sign of respect. You know, this is not my hour. This is not my time. It's not happening yet. And Mary did what every good mother does. She ignores her children when she knows best, right? (laughs) Even the Son of God. (laughs) These words for Mary could possibly be the clearest command given to any of us as disciples of Jesus. Our second thought this morning, do what Jesus tells us to do. Do what Jesus tells us to do. So number one, we invite him. Invite him to be a part of everything. And then we do what Jesus tells us to do. If you're not sure what lies in your future, do whatever he tells you to do. You say, well, I haven't heard anything. Then you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. I think so many people are in a job that God has placed them in looking for another job when God says, I want you right here. Because this is where there are a group of people around you that need to know the hope that I will give them. But how will they know unless you tell them? And I think sometimes we can look for something potentially more glamorous when God's saying, I've got you right where I want you to be. Because in this place, you can be an influence. You could change one life. You could draw out the supernatural and do something great if you would just position yourself there. What about the struggles I'm having with my, my relationship with my wife or my kids? Do what Jesus tells you to do. Be kind. Honor them. Ask for forgiveness if you've wronged them. What about that colleague that just wants, you know, you want to do something that you know you're not supposed to do to them because you're a Christian and you wish that was the day you weren't. What is Jesus telling you to do? Forgive them. Show mercy. Show grace. Do the next thing God tells you to do. Maybe you're feeling stuck. You're feeling like you haven't moved forward in your faith. You say, I just feel like I've, I've kind of hit the ceiling of, of, of everything that God's got for me. Maybe it's not doing what Jesus tells you to do. Maybe it's doing what Jesus told you to do. And I think this is where a lot of people can get unstuck if they would simply go back to what Jesus last said. Have you forgiven that person who offended you deeply? Are you trusting God with the first and the best of your finances? Have you joined that small group? Have you signed up for growth track? Have you got involved in that thing, that next step, as Pete's been talking about this morning? Have you taken that next step, just a simple step of obedience? And what I've noticed is that God just asks us to do simple things. I mean, really simple things. When you look through the stories in the Bible of the miraculous that took place, God says, I'm going to do some miracles through you, Moses. And Moses says, okay, what's it going to look like? He says, what's in your hand? A rod. 
What have you been using that for? Just to tend the sheep? It wasn't a miracle rod, was it? You know, you wouldn't just kind of wave it and the sheep would all get into perfect formation. It was just a stick, something you fashioned. God says, rod, okay, throw it on the ground. I mean, I can throw a stick. Anyone else can throw a stick on the ground? Yeah. Turns into a snake. God uses that rod to hit a rock and water comes out. Holds it up over the Red Sea and it parts. But the instructions were simple. Throw the, throw the stick on the ground. See, when we invite Jesus, when we do what he tells us to do, then the miracle takes place. But we go, I don't want to throw a stick on the ground. That would be dumb. That would be stupid. I don't want to go talk to that person. What if they think I'm crazy or something? Well, why would you be feeling you want to go and talk to them anyway? Because we're, we're pretty selfish, right? Generally, most of us. There are a few amazing people that are all about everybody else. But most of us, including myself, are pretty selfish and we want to go about our agenda for the day. But then all of a sudden you get this nudge that says, I feel like I've got to go talk to this person. What if we did it? What if we actually went and had that conversation? Hey, how's it going? we just got to do what Jesus tells us to do because on the other side of that comes the miracle. But if we don't invite Jesus, if we don't do what he tells us to do, there is no miracle. He's waiting for us to do a couple of things. Invite him. Do what he tells us to do. How about Naaman? Naaman's got leprosy all over his body in the Old Testament. The prophet says, just, just go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Was it seven backflips? <laughs> they just dip in the water seven times on the seventh tumble. The people marched around Jericho. It wasn't a strategic battle plan. Come on. It's just like, oh, all right, can you walk one foot in front of the other? Yes, I can do that. Six times round. Then on the seventh day, seven times round. It's simple stuff. What God's asking us to do is not complicated. It just sometimes feels a little foolish. Isn't that right? Sometimes a thing where your heart goes, duk, 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 duk. what is it? It just kind of feels a little bit foolish. But this is what God said about foolishness. He says that God uses in 1 Corinthians 1, 7, 27, that God uses the foolish things to confound the mighty. Verse 6, nearby stood six water jugs the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Now, this is 50 liters, so 75 to 115 liters, so possibly double this. Now, they reckon that the six jugs would be enough to put in a bath in order for somebody to ceremonially wash and cleanse themselves. So they were sitting there in preparation for washing, cleansing. Somebody who sinned, or done something that would cause them to be unclean, is now has to be ceremonially washed. So these water jars are sitting not for the party, maybe for the after party, right? It's like, all right, we might be needing those water jugs a little bit later on for what's going on at the party. But, but, but this wasn't for the drinking. So, so, but it wasn't a difficult task, right? 
Go fill up the water jugs, as you've done every time. But I felt a little foolish, wouldn't it? But you felt a little bit foolish. like, okay, uh, we're out of wine. Go fill the ceremonial washing jugs. How's that going to help us? I don't see the wine here. It's like go down to the store and get some more. You know, that would be a much better instruction, one that would make sense and one that I could probably follow through with because it makes sense to my brain. Sometimes God doesn't want us to engage that too much. Just wants us to be people that will say, yes, okay, I'll give it a shot. Who knows whether this will work, but it'll be fun trying. Every time a number is mentioned in Scripture, it's to serve a purpose. Number six represents humanity. It represents mankind, humans. God is perfect. Number seven, completion, perfection. Six represents me. Dirty old water jug. And these are six empty water jugs. Could it be that this represented a people who after 400 years waiting for a Messiah to come, was wondering whether there's any hope left. I know a little bit about waiting. 27 years since Liverpool's won a league title. We went top of the table this morning. Please don't disappoint me again. But I wonder if the jugs kind of represented humanity, saying we're empty. There's no joy. We're... What do we do? That can sum us up. Sometimes we can just feel like we're empty. You know what feel empty? Feel like there's nothing left in you? I've been there. I've been there in the moments where it's just like, even if somebody wanted something from me, I've got nothing to give. Try being a parent for just a, few minutes and meet all of their needs or a husband or a wife or a friend or a boss or an employee or an employer we're always lacking something but Jesus says fill them up I want to do a miracle but I need them full the law hadn't saved them good works had fallen short but Jesus was offering fullness where there was emptiness Joy where there was disappointment. The prophetic picture we see here is that God wants to take normal, ordinary, everyday water jugs and do something miraculous through them. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It's like I'm not that impressive. True. I'm not that impressive, and that's what makes God's power incredible when something great happens because I'm obedient. Because people won't go, wow, Mike, that was because of you. They'll go, no, that's because it was God, and he chose to use you. That's the best testimony you can ever have when someone goes, praise Jesus for Mike. Praise Jesus for Pete. Praise Jesus for Tom. That we would be used to bring the supernatural. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Do what Jesus 
tells us to do. There's a process that needs to take place here. The miracle was about to take place, but the jars were empty. So we have to fill the jars. What were the jars filled with? Water. What is water represented in the Bible? What does that speak of? Speaks of the word. Speaks of the Holy Spirit. Often will be spoken of the word and the spirit as water. So, so, so what are we supposed to fill these empty jugs with? How about the Holy Spirit? How about the Word of God? Let's read Ephesians 2, 50, uh, 25 to 26. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word. Men, especially. Come on. It's the hardest thing we do. I don't know why we make it so hard, but we struggle to pray. For and, and, and read the Bible with our wives. It shouldn't be. But it's the one thing the enemy just tries to stop us from doing and distracts us. But if we would, if we could, if we made a priority, not only would we be filled up, but our spouse would be filled up as well. Let's fill each other with the word of God. It's amazing how God uses the passages I read every day to help me during the day. Now, I don't read every passage and get this amazing revelation and a picture and a strategy of what God's going to show me for the day. Okay, I'm not, that, I'm, not, I'm not a super pastor, all right? I just read the Bible like each of you do every day. And then as I'm going about my day, oh, that's a situation that kind of relates to what I was reading this morning. Wow, that's amazing. I'm not, I'm not talking the flip and point kind of method. It's just like, I need a word from God. <laughs> Ooh, don't like that one. I'll try another one. I'm talking systematically working through a structured Bible plan and God speaks to me. I was asking a question of God just this week and I find myself in Numbers chapter 11. Not the most inspiring book when you're looking for revelation. And there God spoke to me. I'm going, this is cool. It's kind of like eating, really. Anyone like food? I like food. Anyone have a few meals over their lifetime? Do you remember all of them? No, some are unforgettable. I mean, I've had a couple of ribs meals that were pretty unbelievable. But a lot of them I've forgotten. But they were good. Boy, they were good for me. So good for my soul. So good for me. And this is the Bible. We, we read it because it's our daily bread. Not our weekly. If you come here thinking this is your, your weekly intake, you're going to be hungry this week. Seriously, you will starve this week. If you think that what I'm bringing here today is going to be enough for you, this is not the purpose of it. This is not your Bible reading for the week, okay? Yes, we look at the Scripture and we, and we, we try to teach from it, but I would rather you read the Bible for yourself than come and listen to me preach. Please hear me on that. Because there is a greater chance that you are going to hear from God when you open up the Word yourself. You can switch off when I'm... When I'm preaching here you might be focused on something else but if you go to god's word guess what he will speak to you he will tell you what you need to do this is so good come on we got to invite jesus to be a part of it why because everything the holy spirit will teach us and lead us in is in the word of god what john 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the word was there from the very beginning 
My daughter Rosie did a speech in her school. She says, when I, when I read the Bible, I'm not just reading a book. I'm reading a person. I'm talking to a person. It's like Jesus is sitting right beside me. That's what happens when we read the Bible. We're engaging in a relationship and a conversation with Jesus, our Savior, our King, our soon and coming King. We get to sit with the King that we worship every day. So why would we not take that moment? We've got to be filled. We've got to be filled. Because this is where the cool part of the story comes. Because up until now, there's no, this is no blockbuster, seriously. Jesus goes to a party. I mean, this wouldn't make a film. Jesus went to a party, ran out of wine. So he said, go fill some buckets with water. Roll credits. Not that exciting yet. What happens is when they have done the steps of obedience, Jesus says, right, miracle time. Now watch, now watch what God can do. If we invite Jesus, if we do what Jesus tells us to do, this is where the natural becomes supernatural. Jesus does what we can't do. Come on, there's some things we can't do. We can't heal anybody. We can't truly be someone's provision. We, we, can, we can't be the friend that they need. We're going to fail them in some way, but we can bring something that God would then draw out of us and take it from natural to supernatural. Verse 8, then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Has the team come this morning? I, I love getting into these passages and just thinking, imagine... Because a lot of it goes step to step to step. But I'm thinking, what would I have been thinking in this moment? So, so Jesus has given very clear instructions. And so they're about to go and so they go fill the water jugs. They come back. And Jesus says, right, now, now draw some out. So in this example, I'm just going to pour some out. Don't worry, there's no scientific trick. It's not going to do what, I, what you hope it would. It's still just water. But for the purpose of the ex- experiment, at that point, did, did, they, did they even know whether it was wine as they're taking it? I mean, did they have a little, ooh, on the way? Was there an element of trust? I don't think they would have sipped from the, the ladle that was going to the master, right? So, so the servants were going back to the MC, going back to the servant going, this, this could go all wrong. Was it even water at that state? Had it turned to wine yet? They kind of, sorry, I don't have a cold. <laughs> Hands it to the MC guy. It's going to happen. You drink it. <laughs> if only. Oh yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> but there was an element of faith that was required even of these servants because it was kind of dumb. Go and take the, I mean, what if Jesus turned into bad wine? It's like, where did you get this from? We've got a standard and that doesn't reach the standard. But how many people know when we, when we take our foolish stuff, Jesus says, I can do so much better than you can. Because I'm the King of Kings. I'm the Lord of Lords. This is my universe. You think that wine's good? I'm going to give you so much more. Come on. We've got to invite Jesus to be a part of our world. So we've got to do, Jesus, come, 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 come. Be a part of what I'm doing this week. And then you feel the nudge. 
we'll go talk to someone. Okay, okay, I'm going to go talk to someone. So I go talk to someone and go, you go, Sam, Sam, you just, just just take the glass. You go, you go, have a glass, have a glass of, oh, there's nothing in there. Oh, I forgot to fill it up. Yeah? So there's an opportunity, but oh, there's nothing to draw from. Come on, we've got to be full of God's word. We've got to be a generation. They're saying this is the most illiterate generation when it comes to the Word of God. No way. I'm not accepting that. We're going to be a people that love the Word of God, study the Word of God. Why? Because it's life. Because it can change everything. We can bring the Word of God and it can bring a miracle. And all we've got to do is just read it. Just read it every day. Not as a religious task, but Jesus is my daily prayer. I, I can't survive without it. We're to get to that point in our life. And then I can go to Sam. I can say, Sam, God's been speaking to me about you. Sam, you know what? God's got it all under control. Every situation you face, He's going to be your strength. We're going to get alongside you. I'm going to support you. Miracle coming. Yeah. What can the master draw out of me? Just asking that of myself. Is there anything to draw out of Mike? Well, yeah, there is. Because this week I read the word. Didn't read the whole Bible. But I read some of it. I'm going to work my way right through it this year. And then the next year I'll go through it again probably. You go, that's a lot of scripture to read. Just start with a little bit. Just a little bit. There's no quantity required, but some. And I'd, I'd say, you want big miracles? Put a bit more in. Yeah. I don't know. If you believe in the small stuff, that's cool. But why don't we just put a little bit more in? A little bit more focus on the Word. A little bit more study of the Word. What might come out when the Master wants to draw out of us? Come on, we're going to invite Jesus. We're going to do what He tells us to do. Then let the Master draw out and Jesus will do what only He can do, what we can't do. Amen? Amen. There's some of you here today and you're saying, I, I don't even have a relationship with God. Well, today you can have a relationship with God simply by saying, I'm done trying to do it my own way. God's created us on purpose for a purpose. His desire is for us to walk in relationship with Him and to love and serve and be there for other people. But it requires us surrendering our hearts and our lives and our will to God and to the one who knows us best. And I want to pray a prayer with anyone that's saying, I want to be right with God. I want to have a relationship with Him. I need Jesus to forgive me for my sin, which has turned me from having a relationship with God. I want to be right with Him again. Maybe for the first time you're here today. Maybe you're coming back to God. God's drawing you back to Him. This morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to pray a prayer and we're all going to pray it together. Would you pray this prayer in faith, believing that God 
is receiving your prayer of repentance, turning from your old way of living, and receive the gift of salvation today, my friends. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross, for making a way to God the Father. Please forgive me for living life my own way. I've sinned and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I receive your gift of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. pray that prayer we want to know who you are not to embarrass you but to to connect with you to help you take your next step in Christ that's you with everybody here today we just slip your hand up and say yeah I prayed that prayer maybe for the first time maybe you're coming back to God you're saying I'm serious about this I've been mucking around I'm serious about this today anyone here this morning just slip your hand up right now This morning, uh, this is our last Sunday before Amy and I fly out to Bangladesh. We go out on Tuesday, and uh, we've asked for the local leadership team just to pray for us before we go. So, uh, team, if you'd like to come, and Amy as well, and Jeff's going to just pray for us, and then Pete will close the service. So, thank you. that we'd be over and I'd be over in Bangladesh now praying for you to come but God knows best to pray for you to go um, and I just know that the national Elam team are behind you the six par, par um, from lead pastors they are for you and we're for you we're behind you so Father we just thank you now we just thank you for the verse that says your eyes are searching to and fro over the whole earth Father, we know your eyes are on them here, and we pray that as they go over there, we know your eyes are upon them there. And Father, we just pray, we just declare Psalm 91 over them. Father, we pray for protection over body, soul, and spirit. And Father, we just pray that they may, may be amazed for the, as they go there. And Father, we just thank you for what they take and for what we send with them, Lord. Amen. And I just want to say this too. I was away for a few days, and I was praying for you guys. And uh, I believe God smiled because you guys think you're going over to start a work at the church over there is going to start a new thing and becoming Elam. But I really feel God is saying he's going to start a new work. God's going to expand you, your heart, your vision, and he's also going to provide. And so I think there's a new thing starting in you guys as well. Well, as the ushers come, we'd love to receive the offering this morning. And maybe you've filled out one of these connect cards.